This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans. And there it is. That's as good as it gets on this stage. Nissan Townstar EV strikes again. It's an unstoppable van. Unstoppable! Look, just fantastic. You can actually see the ProPilot technology in action. Effortless parallel parking. It moves with all the confidence that comes with a five-year warranty. And with a bench full of all-star van experts, there's real strength in depth here. That's all-star quality. Search Nissan Townstar EV and visit your local all-star van centre to see for yourself. Terms and conditions apply. Five years or 100,000 miles, whichever comes first. ProPilot is an advanced driver assist technology. Driver's responsibility to stay alert, drive safely and control vehicle at all times. The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly supported by McDelivery, bringing you the food you know you love. McDelivery brings a top-tier lineup of food right to your door. No matter the result, unlike the Owls, you'll always be winning with McDelivery. So there's only one thing left to say. What's everybody having? Order now on the McDonald's app and you can also get rewards points delivered too. So that ordering today means you'll get some tasty rewards later on. And between you and me, if you order just before kickoff, you can get it just in time for half time. But I've not told you that. Only via the app at participating restaurants, 18 plus rewards registration required. Points only on menu items, delivery free and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. See you later. The Wednesday week is sponsored by Michael Constantine Wealth Management. We bet you can't find a financial advisor closer to Hillsborough Stadium. Right, so we're live on Facebook. Good evening once again to uh, to another Wednesday week lockdown live. Uh, my name's Dan Fudge. With me, I've got Vic, Ben, Steve. And as you can see right at the bottom there, Mr. Stephen Bywater's joined us, ladies and gentlemen. He's joined us live, live on the show. Now, Steve, uh, let's, let's get it out of the way now. I mean, we only knew you as a skinhead. Uh, we didn't know you as a Gareth Ainsworth tribute band. Uh, I mean, what's... <laughs> I mean, are you going to show us what's under that cap? Or yeah, I'm, you know, I can I can show you. I've got I've been growing my growing my locks down live. So <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, wow. I mean, wow. I have to wear a cap. Gets in the way in the gym. <laughs> mate I, I won't worry about that right now we're all sat at home in our sweatpants at the minute so uh, <laughs> don't make me feel bad for not doing any work now Steve we're going to go through some of your time with uh, with Sheffield Wednesday hope we could borrow for the best part of an hour and yeah. uh, and as usual Ben kick us off pal well before we get on to Wednesday as you said just before we come on Air Forge I have done a bit of research um, 16 year old signed by Harry Redknapp for th- about 300 grand, is it? Something like that? Uh, I think it's about 800,000, 800, I think it was, yeah. <laughs> Get your facts right, Ben. Yeah, it's <laughs> right, Ben. <laughs> about, about 800, I think it was. But, uh, yeah, it, it paid for a couple of stands and uh, helped uh, Rochdale out, so I was pleased. Good, good. Um, so, how were that as a 16-year-old, obviously starting off at Rochdale and then suddenly being thrust into West Ham, which at the time had some big names? Yeah, you know, I was I was lucky. I uh, because I was a because I was a big fish in a in a in a small pond at Rochdale. I actually played for England under 16s, under 18s. So it gave me a, a platform to be uh, to be around the first team at Rochdale, really. So if you're young and you're good enough, you you've got more chance of being around the first team at Rochdale, and that just literally helped me get to West Ham because it did. And um, I was playing I was playing with better players in in the in the Northwest Regionals, so. Uh, it was a good platform for me, Rochdale. And then when I went to West Ham, I just felt lucky to be there. You know, it was um, 
it was, it was I was lucky. I was I was lucky to be playing at such a high standard when I was so young at, at Rochdale. You know, the reserves in men's football when I was sixteen. So it was. Um, I was. I was. I enjoyed it. And going into the training rooms of Rio and Frank, it was like, yeah, okay, this is where I want to be. Uh, this is the platform I want to be on, and this is this is where it's at. Really, this is your football that you watch on the TV that you want to be part of. So that's. Uh, I just. I just enjoyed it. Well, I just West Ham was one of those clubs that was renowned for bringing through youth and uh, and relying on 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 some of their academy players to come through. I mean, you you were t- you know you, you mentioned Rio and Frank, and then was Joe Cole in there as well? Joe Cole, Michael Carrick. Jamie, Sorry, what was that? Jamie Redknapp and John Terry in that team as well. No, no, that was uh, they were uh, John Terry was in England under 18s and 21s with myself. Uh, Jamie Redknapp used to come into training, to be honest, with uh, with his obviously his dad's there and uh, his brother Mark would come into training. But yeah, I was uh, Harry Redknapp was a believer in if you were good in, if you were good enough, it doesn't matter how old you are. Um, and the supporters at West Ham were were really behind young players that were coming through. So I'd gone from Rochdale, which was again a, a, a feeding club, to actually get some money. Um, to pay for things really to survive i'm going to another club which was a feeder club to actually play for for, mm. for just bringing on talent not not the end product of you know not so much selling them on but mainly to have them to keep them to progress them and to use them to actually stay at that level so it was the same kind of principle bring the young players through to play but it wasn't rochdale which was financial it was more to at west ham to just to play and just to be part of something exciting where you're homegrown and it's exciting. You wanna, you wanna play for your club. Sorry, Ben, I cut you off there, but yeah, I can, Im- I can imagine that being a bit overwhelming for you. I mean, you even played there with Paolo Di Canio as well, didn't you? Paolo Di Canio was in the change rooms, the best player I've ever seen. Unbelievable. He operates like a true professional as well. You know, having been in the change room with all these kind of characters and all these kind of big players and big stars on international level, you learn so much. You learn what it takes to be at the top of your game and to, to give everything really, you know, it's, I was, uh, I was speaking to a few of the young lads when I'm, um, when I do some volunteering uh, during the week and it's, you learn so much from these players to get the best out of yourself. And yeah, you need to absorb it and you need to take it all in. Everyone's, everyone's different, but they all contribute something different to your mind. Paolo was just pure passionate and never took a day off and, was just a family man. He'd bring in cakes for everyone. He'd bring in these, he'd, he'd cook at home and bring in cakes, tiramisu. And, you know, his, his kind of character just just uh, was infectious. You know what I mean? I love that. I absolutely love it. Sorry, Ben, I cut you off there, pal. Carry on, mate. No, just on on Decanio, obviously, what we know all about him at Wednesday. Was he as mad at West Ham as, as what we've probably saw at Hillsborough? He was so passionate. He was... You know, you say mad, mad, mad can mean in a dictionary enthusiastic. He was enthusiastic. Um, he was different, but he was passionate and he wanted to win. He would win at any cost and he, he deserved to win as well. The amount of hard work, the running, the fitness, the weights, the the dedication, the the first in, last out. It's, you know, you read about Ronaldo being the first in and last out of the training ground. He, he was the same. Paolo was the same. He loved his sport. He loved the way he looked. He wanted to look the part. He wanted to be the part. Uh, he wanted to just to help everyone, you know, on the pitch and off the pitch. And he was just a loving guy, but with a ferocious passion of wanting to win. He, he would literally, he'd want to, 
he'd want to literally drag people out of the changing rooms to go and play and win with him. And if you weren't doing it on the pitch, he'd make sure you, you know, he, he made sure you knew about it. He was, you know, one time at West Ham, he was, uh, he was stood on where you sit down, you know, you sit down to the bench to sit down to change. He was stood on there and he was trying to kick people as they were walking past at half time saying, come on. <laughs> no, he was though. He was, he was kicking out of people and, you know, we had to separate a load of people. Steve, Steve Lomas was walking past him, kicking out at him, saying, come on, we're going to win or what? And we need got to do better. And he had to go and sit in the shower for 10 minutes. Harry Redden had to put him in the shower, but that's his passion. You know, he wasn't, wasn't violent. He wasn't, it was just a, it was just passion and you could see it. So what you saw on a pitch is what I saw on a pitch, but I also saw that in the change rooms as well. He just, yeah, he was different, but in a, in a, there was that uh, there was that famous story that that Harry tells about where he he sits he plonks himself on the halfway line wanting to come off as a substitute. And, yeah, uh, that was, I was in my debut. I played well. It was uh, when I came on against Bradford. Uh, he literally sat down next to the dugout saying, "Take me off, <laughs> take, take me off, take me off." I've had enough because there were so many things going against him. He just wanted he wanted out. He just he'd had enough. And um, it turns out they <laughs> we actually won the game, and I'm glad he stayed on because. It was a big factor. It was a big factor when uh, at West Ham. But yeah. you know, I remember, I remember when Glenn Roder came as the manager. They had to treat him differently because he was that special to the club. It was they actually some people didn't like him being treated differently um, mm. to all the other players, which caused a bit of a bit of a friction in the camp because they were all big players when Glenn Roder was there. But I would treat if I was the manager, I'd have, tr I'd have treated him special because he was actually a special human being. You know, so you know, I I loved him and I learned a lot from him. And I made his book as well, didn't I? I, I saw, I saw you made, I made his book. I got on well with him. He's, he, I. But the thing is, I learned from him. So I would be in the gym alongside him doing my own things, and he would be in the gym. So yeah, he knows I worked hard because I worked hard right next to him. Yeah, because we. Uh, <laughs> I, I, sorry, Dan. I was just going to say. Obviously, you were in there and you were taking a bit of a link from from what he was doing outside the game and in the changing rooms and and you know in the gym and doing bits away from from it. Did, were there many people sort of jumping on the train as well with it, or was it? You no, know, you know, it's surprising how many people. I think nowadays it's different. Nowadays it's uh, that extra two percent or five percent that you can get out yourself. Now everyone's educated and everyone's learning from other people. They're all in the gym. They're all doing it. But back then in 10, 15 years ago, it was like very, very few youngsters actually went in the gym and did extra uh, or, or tried to be elite. And maybe that's because I wasn't living at home with my mates at 16 and 17. I actually, I had nowhere to go. Do you know what I mean? I didn't, I didn't want, my mates were coming see me at weekends or I was on the phone to him or playing games or something with them during the night. But, during the day, it was like, what do I do? I tell you what, I'm going to make myself better. Now I'm going to, how do I make myself better? I'm going to watch absolutely everyone. I'm going to watch Frank Lampard. He's uh, spikes on on a day off and, and literally go and do some athletics, some running up and down, up and down. I'm going to watch Paolo, how he runs in training and how he does the weights after. He had a, we had a special fitness coach come in and uh, Trevor Sinclair and Paolo, they would all, they'd all have him for Rio and Frank. He would make sure your muscles were long and strong. And I just remember that. Make sure your muscles are long and strong and then you do yoga. But back then it was like I used to feed people who were top of their game. And that's how I stayed in the game as long as I did, I believe, because my body was able to do that. That's amazing. Oh, so, yeah. That's absolutely I, absolutely amazing. I, I, I can imagine. Yeah, I can but imagine. Honestly, 
Yeah, I used to watch loads of people. I just used to be a sponge off everyone. David James on his weights. But you'd you have know. only been a kid at this point as well. I mean, for you to, I mean, David James was, you know, an elite Premier League keeper at this point. So for you to be stood next to him and training with him nine out yeah. of ten days, like that, that must have been something incredible to be around, no? I was so lucky. It was unbelievable. John Artson, Ian Wright came, Neil Ruddock came, you know, all these, Stuart Pearce was there. You know, how these people, you like to watch how these people operated and it was on a level that was just, yeah, it's the detail. So we was at Ipswich away and um, Stuart Pearce used to always have his little clock. He used to have a little alarm clock. So he would literally, to the minute, get ready for the game. Do you know the countdown? Like, literally put his shin pads on, put his boots on, put his slip on. And and John Moncur, before the change, before the game, he changed his clock. He put it like five minutes fast, right? But uh, I sat next to Percy that day and he's getting ready and he's getting, he's literally got his slip on and he's jogging on the spot, literally jogging on the spot with his boots and his socks and his underpants on that. So, and he's looking around going, yeah, lads, time to get ready, isn't it? And the lads are cracking up going, yeah, all right, all right, Percy. He's looked at his, his watch, right? He's looked at, he's asked for someone at the time and he's gone, who's messing my clock? By what? Are you messing my clock? Don't ever mess with my preparation again. But the thing was, what I learned from that is people go down to that detail. Do you know what I mean? Don't mess with my clock. In other words, my, my preparation is down to the detail of the minutes. So, yeah, I was laughing about him because he was getting ready in that lot. But as a 16, 17-year-old, he's going, well, I'm going to, he's just gone mental at me for something I didn't do. John Moncur changed the clock. But it, He's that passionate about his, his every second that, yeah, it was funny, but I learned something from that, that people do it down to the detail. And, and towards the end of my career and towards the last five, six years, the detail mattered because I wanted to not let, you know, I wanted to do everything right. So, yeah, I learned a lot from so and many... Did he, did he ever find out that you didn't fuck about with his clock? <laughs> no. No, no, because I, I wasn't, I'm not, I don't, I don't tell tales. It's not for me to tell him who did it. But, it was John Monker. It was... <laughs> you know, like, it's, 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 it's him there. It's him there. Nah, but, uh, yeah, it was so funny, though, watching him get ready and everyone was just sat there in change rooms and him going, but, yeah, I learned, I learned from that, really. I would learn all the time. Amazing. Uh, now, as it stands right now, we are live on Facebook. Vic, uh, have you got a question? Have we got any questions on, on Facebook? Uh, yeah, I've got a question, Stephen. Well, I'll just go through the ones on Facebook. Um, what are you doing nowadays? Because obviously we can see your hats now. You know, no, I'm, I'm building a brand. I'm building a brand. Um, I'm making accessories, luxury accessories. So basically, if I like it, like boxer shorts, I'll make it. Uh, hat caps, I'll make it. Belts, I make the best stuff. But what I've learned in football is you can't get away. You can't hide from quality. So when I give my products out, I know that every single product is the highest quality. And I can't, no, nobody can say, oh, that's that's not good. So I'm enjoying it. I'm drawing. I'm uh, dealing with people. Um, it's exciting. It's, it's just a new, it's a new, uh, it's a new, it's a new career, really. But I'm transferring my, the, the, the elite people I've seen and operated around, I'm, I'm transferring that into football, into, uh, into business. Treat people right. Do the right things all the time. So, yeah, I'm enjoying it. Thank you for asking. Nice. Um, okay, so questions from Facebook. Um, Sharon asks, what would you change at Sheffield Wednesday now? Uh, I've not been there recently, but... Um... Uh, 
I don't know. I think I'd add a bit of experience to the team, a bit more experience and a bit... I don't know. I'd, I'd just add a bit of experience. It seems to have got really good, young, talented players. But, yeah, it just just add a little bit more to the squad with experience, I think. Um, I know Ban's there, and but you can never get enough experience to try and get you out of that league. It's um, There's a balance between young, fresh and not experienced. And I just add a bit more experience, but... It'll, it might cost a bit of money, and I don't know what the finances well, are like. Think, but... of, think of the players. <laughs> think of the players you've just left. Uh, you've just listed in your West Ham career. I mean, a lot of those players were the, you know, the, the, the nice way of saying the twilight end of their career, weren't they? You know, like your Stuart Pierces and your Ruddicks and your Ian Wrights. So, marrying that with your with your Lampards and nineteen year old yourself and all the rest of it and the Rios, Michael I mean, Carrick, Rio Fernand. Yeah, it was a good blend. It was 50-50. It was really good, but. The characters at the top were motivated to help those at the, the youngsters, and that's the that's the that's the key. If you get experienced players who feel part of a team, and who are not just there to make up the numbers, and you involve them in the games and you involve them in everything, you'll get the best out of absolutely everyone. So, but there's a, it's hard to find the experience that can that can do a job on a pitch and uh, that can also help the youngsters. So, mm-hmm. yeah, I think Sheffield Wednesday need to do that because it's. Do you know what? I'm telling you now, it should be in the Premier League. It's disappointing and it's gutting that they're not in the Premier League. For me. Yeah, yeah. We we whinge about that on the regs, Steve, to be fair. (laughs) It's it's true, though. With the amount of the support they get and the... the, the, It's just... They're one of them clubs that just shouldn't be in the Championship ever. Go on, mate. What else have we got? Uh, Another one we've got is apparently all goalkeepers are said to be nuts. Do you agree? And I think we're all different, yeah. (laughs) <laughs> right, Steve, come on now. Now, yeah. let's. I, I think I was doing this show. I've been doing it for like 10 years now. And one of the phrases I used to describe you was mad as a fish in petrol. Now, there is a, there's a story I want to get to that yes. I've referenced a few times. And I want to know the absolute minutiae of it. You were sat in a car eating a can of rice pudding with a toothbrush. 100%. What was going on there? I, do you know what? I used to, I travel a lot, right? And I have rice pudding, I have beans, and I didn't have a spoon. So I only had my toothbrush, and I'm just sat there eating it with a toothbrush. Were you in a traffic jam or something? I just went, I need to eat. Like, you know, like, like Stuart yeah. Pierce's thing, and you're going... <laughs> yeah, I need to, I'm hungry. Listen, if you get hungry, do you know what happens if you get hungry? You get tired, and if you get tired, you, you, you kind of change character a bit, don't you? Obviously, you get a bit... I don't know. I love the way you a just took bouncy. it in your stride. Like, there's no wrong with that. Like, listen, I was hungry. I had some rice pudding. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Hundred percent toothbrush, rice pudding. Under, do you know what? It's just like a spoon. Brush your teeth afterwards as well. Well, yeah. Did you have a tin? Listen, when I when I travel, I have everything with me. You don't understand. Except for a spoon. Do you know what I might have done? It might have been one of them days where I've pulled up the the glove compartment and my plastic spoons have fallen out, and I've just thought I refuse to use the one that's been on the floor. So I just use my toothbrush. But yeah. Amazing. <laughs> we, we, right, we're sticking on this sort of goalkeepers being nuts thing. Yeah. P- promotion day, Clem. Just talk us through it. What what possession did start oh, throwing? Yeah, he was in there. I just thought, you're getting it. <laughs> Get out. Uh, no, he, I don't know. I just saw the plate of sandwiches and I thought, who's eating them sandwiches? Seriously, we've just got promotion. We're going to have a few drinks. Those sandwiches are not going to get eaten, so he, he can have them. But uh, yeah, he's a character. He's a character, Clem. Though he gives yeah, it. Yeah, he took it well, didn't he? He gives it though. Have you ever seen him on a on a? He does a 
stand up talking for people, doesn't he? He gives out some good banter, so he can take it. But you know what kind of characters? If you if you give it, you've got to take it, and he gives it, so he takes it as well. So it was good. It was fun. He's a nice guy. He comes to Burton all the time. I, lo- I, lo- I love that you just take it. Right? Yeah, yeah. I just ate that with the toothbrush, and I just took some sandwiches on him. Anyway, what's next? Like, you know what I mean? I love the way just, these are just things that happen in your life. Yeah. I tell you what, then. So let's um. Let's re- let's rewind a little bit. So, uh, how old were you when you went from what was it, two thousand five six? Was it when you went from West Ham to Derby? And two thousand and six, yeah. Yeah, and you must have had a you you must have thought I tell you what, I, I, you know, this is the way up here. I mean, I mean, Derby went on to have so a barnstorming season. They've been knocking on the door. Did you get promoted with them? Yeah, I got promotion that year with them. Yeah, through the playoffs. And they had yeah, they had a really good season. Was that Billy? Was that Billy, Billy Sharp Charge? Yeah. Billy, Billy Davis, Davis, not Billy yeah. Sharp. Sorry, I got him on the mind. He, he, he you know, he tattooed here. Future manager, he will. Future manager, there you go. Absolutely, yeah, he will. Yeah, he will. Now, do you uh, go, going back to you know, Billy Davis going up and uh, and all the rest of it? Your your squad number was uh, was number forty three, and that was in reference to uh, Les Seely, according yeah. to Wikipedia. Um, and, and and you know, I, I I thought it'd be fair to give you a platform to tell for you to tell us about the influence that that Les had on your career. No, it's when I was uh, when I went to West Ham. He uh, he looked after me like a dad. So uh, he, he he was like he was fast tracking me on how to be a footballer, how to be a goalkeeper, and how to be a human, and how to be how to look after yourself really in football. And, and he always used to say, you know, if you say something, make sure you do it. So if you're going to say you're going to do some training, you make sure you do it. And if you're going to come for a cross, make sure you're going to try and come. Make sure you do as you say, and uh, and believe in yourself. And he was like a dad. So he died at 43. And uh, when Derby County said, uh, we want to sign you, what number do you want? I said, well, I'd like 43 just to uh, represent uh, Les Seeley for, 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 for the career. Because obviously without my dad, without myself, without Les, these are big influences on my life that actually made me who I was, not only as a footballer, but as a human. Um, yeah, and I, I enjoyed working with him very only three or four years, you know, I get on with his, his son, Joe, he lives around the corner from me. I'm like his brother. So mm-hmm. it's not one of them. Oh, he's my coach. And then that's it. He was part of my life. And um, yeah, but we all, we all must enjoy our lives and we all must um, just do our best to keep helping everyone. So he died too young. So, but he, yeah, shit. yeah but that's it. No you know, you, have, you, you, you learn and you, uh, you understand that life's precious. And if you're going to do something, do it. If you're going to, if you're going to play football, have a right go, do it right. If you're going to be an accountant, be the best accountant. If you're going to be, you know, if you're going to own a shop, do it right. So that's that's my that's my ethos in life. So when I'm doing this new brand, I'm doing it right, and um, that's it. And that's that's instilled from me from day from day one. But yeah, he was he was a he was a good man, and he was uh, he was very successful as a footballer, and he was very very respected in the changing rooms as well. Everyone would listen to him. You know, he, he played at Manchester United. Mm. You know, you're not dummy if you play there. And, uh, yeah. Well, yeah, isn't it? Uh, Steve, have you, got, have you got a question for uh, for Steve? Yeah, no, I think we're getting to a point where we, we talk about your point, where the, the time where you got to Sheffield Wednesday. Um, how did that come about? And, you know, what what was the sort of the, the, the process involved with, with coming to us? Uh, well, I wasn't playing at Derby. Um, and um, Andy Rhodes was the goalkeeper coach at, uh, at, at Sheffield Wednesday. And he just rang me and said if I wanted to uh, come. And, oh, man, Sheffield Wednesday's massive. So I said, yeah, I'll come. And uh, Gary Megson was the manager. And I'd never met him. Uh, and I got there. And I just loved I loved it. 
the change room, the, the, the training ground was not up to standard. <laughs> um, no, it wasn't, though. No. It wasn't. But you know what? I didn't care. I liked the people there. Lindsay, who was the, who was the secretary, she did absolutely everything. She welcomed me with, like, wow. She was, she's, the be- she's the most economical person with her time I've ever met. Uh, she does a lot of things for a lot of people, uh, but does it very swiftly. Uh, so she looked after me. The club, do you know what? I got there. There was no bath in the changing rooms at the training ground. And before a tra- before training, I always had a hot bath and did yoga to get my body right so I was ready to go. So they opened up the ground every morning for me. So I'd go to the ground, have a hot bath with the groundsman there, and then you'd lock up and then I'd go, <laughs> and I'd go to the to chain, training ground to have a stretch. So it was that kind of like, do you know what? They go out your way to help you. They go really out your way to help you. And I liked it from day one, that was, as well. And, uh, yeah, Gary Megson was, like, pulled me in the office and said, I uh, don't know, he was just, he was, he was different as well. But I loved him. <laughs> he, used to have a, he used to have a brandy before the game. Shocking. <laughs> no, but, no, no, but the thing is, he offered me a brandy before every game as well. <laughs> Is, is that what it is, Steve? You're, you're writing your career off for like that, that back end, that you know, turn of the turn of the decade area is just because you were pissed up most of it. Like, you know, <laughs> no, I mean? no, but I was professional then. But um, yeah, he was just so different. But he knew what it took. He it wasn't. He just knew you as a as a person that will. He wanted people that would literally die for the cause, and I was one of them people. He would literally. He loved Sheffield Wednesday. The first game we, when I got to the stadium, there was me and uh, there was another player who signed on the same day. I can't even remember, but he took me and this lad to the um, back to the, the cop. Yeah, and he took us halfway up the cop, and he said, "Turn around, lads. Look, this is where you're playing. This is where you're going to win games. This is what it means to everyone. Look, this is the view that everyone wants to have when you come to Sheffield Wednesday." And he showed it me, and I'm. And I'm already bought in, but now I'm really in. You know what I mean? I want, I want to, I want to, I don't know, you die for the cause, don't you? And um, literally, I would put my head in anyone's feet to get, just to get a win, to dive at anyone. I'd dive into posts or anything for people. On, uh, on Mexico's last game, it was a 1-0 victory against Sheffield United, wasn't it? Did you play in that one? I played in them. Oh, yeah, I played in them. The, the Derby games, yeah. You played in both, didn't you, that season? Yeah, both. We drew one, didn't we? We won one. Yeah, in other words, we didn't lose, did we? That was the main thing. We don't lose those games. <laughs> what, what, what was the atmosphere like? Going the atmosphere was amazing. Both of them, both of them, they were unreal. The lads would be buzzing for them games, like really, like it meant so much to everyone. Uh, yeah, it was, it was just incredible. But that, those are the, those are the games that you look forward to. That you know, like really, you know, I'm shining at Sheffield Wednesday to my mates. Call when Sheffield United game because yeah. you know it's big. When I signed Ipswich, where's the Norwich game? You know what I mean? It was like those big games, but Sheffield Wednesday's a it's a big club, it's massive. It's uh, it's bigger than Sheffield United. But I've not I've never played for Sheffield United, but it is it feels a bigger worldwide audience, you know what That's I mean? That's going on our Instagram tomorrow, that <laughs> that little clip there. <laughs> Go on, Vic. I was just gonna say something like the, the game that we beat Sheffield United was Megson's last game, and I think everybody seemed to know that. It still came as a bit of a shock, but everyone seemed to know. Did the team have like an inkling of that before the match or had the gaffer said anything or? I think there was rumours. We played, I think we played Chesterfield or something um, in a game previously. Yeah, sure. There was rumours from that game, to be honest, that he might not um, he might not last so long. 
which was a shame because he did things right. Gary Megson did things right. He was ultra professional, and he knew he knew how to get the best out of everyone. So it was a it was a shame he couldn't see the season through. To be honest, the, um, sorry, go on, Steve. I was just going to say, do you think, obviously, the manager, there's a bit of a swing after the Derby game. Do you think if Megson had stayed after that, obviously, the bounce of you lose to Chesterfield, he's, he's had a bit of a, a negative run. Obviously, he's a Wednesday eye and, you know, he's, he's ingrained in the club, isn't he? He's, he's, he's a bit like um, Chris Wilder is at United now. Do you think if we'd have stuck him, he'd have got us up? I think he'd have still got us up, yeah. Just like people, because you have that, there's, there's a level of passion for a club. And uh, when you really love the club that much, like Megson did, uh, you're going up. You're going up because you had the feeling he, he got together some really good players that were all on the same on the same page, and that was to to get promotion. You know, Mikel Antonio, he got some of the future. You know what I mean? He got some good players. Uh, Jonah at the back, Gary Medine, big players, Prutton, they're all good players, solid players that are good enough to get you out of the league. And he got us that together. And he, he was able to manage these big characters because we're all big characters that um, you have to, well, as a manager, you have to get your big characters to buy into what you you want. But with him, it wasn't what we're buying into. It was Sheffield Wednesday. He loved Sheffield Wednesday. You didn't have to buy into a manager's uh, how to operate. You were buying into the club and he was the club in his head. So yeah, it was easy for him to manage the big players. As wow. well as as well as Megson, you mentioned Andy Rhodes. What what were that? I could imagine you, Andy Rhodes, and Weaver being quite a, a trio in training. I could imagine that being yeah, we're training together. Weaver is so funny. He's just a nice guy. That's that's hilarious. But he's a good goalkeeper as well. So we had competition, and and Rhodes he just managed the the goalkeepers. Um, that's what he does. He manages goalkeepers. He puts on sessions and he manages, he ticks you over and he makes sure you're mentally right. Uh, because physically you, you are right. It's just mentally you need to be focused and to keep concentrating. And we had a, we had a good bond, the three of us. Richard O'Donnell was there as well. Uh, you know, all the youngsters were there. Um, Cammy was there. You know, Joe was there. We we're all there growing up together, really. Um, and they've got a great future ahead of them as well. So, it wasn't about me and it wasn't about Weezy. It was about the whole goalkeeper as a, as a, as a, as a squad, really. And he was really good. Um, yeah, I enjoyed him. I, I knew him from Ipswich as well uh, when I was on loan at Ipswich. So, but he's a, he's a big character himself and uh, he knows how to manage, manage big characters. And you, know, you, need, you need success. Let's, uh, let, let's, pull up, let's pull up that thread then for a bit because, yeah. you know, uh, in, in that team, like you said, you had Prutz, you had, you had Raider, uh, you, Mikel Antonio, I mean, what a hell of a signing. What a football player that, that man has become. I'm actually proud as a Sheffield Wednesday fan to go, we were part of his journey from, what is it, Tooting and Mitchum or wherever he came from, to, yeah. to go right to the, to be one of the elite players right at the very top. I mean, did you see that from him? Could you see the way he was that he would he would end up there? He was professional. You know, you could tell he, he wanted everything to be done right. Uh, and he was an athlete. So if you're an athlete, you've got a real good chance of uh, playing in the top league and his desire and his determination. And um, he was strong as well. And he was awkward, like awkward on the ball. Do you know what I mean? You, you couldn't really defend against him in the championship because he was that fast. He was that powerful. So you always knew he was going to go to the to the next level. Uh, yeah. So it was... What about, uh, uh, what about Gary Medine? I mean, he, he's, he's had his... 
I don't know. He's had his checkered past. Let, let, let's call it. I mean, uh, you could tell he had a he had a desire to win. You could tell he was he was really a big personality in the uh, in in a changing room around it. Um, I mean, there, there, I remember reading an article about. I think it was uh, he was working with uh, one of the coaches about playing with his back to goal to to drop a bit deeper and turn around and face towards a goal and all the rest of it. I mean. He could have had a better career if it were if he weren't so mental, couldn't he? Or am I being unkind? Uh, I think you're being a little bit unkind. He's not mental, you know. He's um, he's focused, and he's 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 just a young lad that uh, you know. Back in the day, he's probably got you know easily wound up, or or people literally target you. You know, when you're doing mm. well and you're young and you're good looking and you you've got everything really, you're kind of a target. So. Yeah, I think he was a target for a lot of a lot of stick, and um, he loved Sheffield Wednesday. And I really, I really got on well with him. You know, we'd have he'd come round to the apartment, and we'd have pre-match and and stuff together, and we'd get on, and we'd have jokes, and he was fun. I, I saw him as fun, but focused. Um, not the quickest, but that's the difference. You know, the pace is the difference in the Premier League. Mm-hmm. But he was a very good player. He's a handful. He's tall. He's 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 strong. Um, but yeah, I just think he's he's doing really well, and he's and he's um yeah he's he's, he's a, he was a good player for Sheffield Wednesday, and he's still a good player now. But mm-hmm. was he top top Premier League? There's the pace in it, the pace, the, the electric pace. But could he help a Premier League team out? Yeah, he could. Could he? Could he? Um, yeah, I just think he he's really does what he says on. You know what I mean? He does what he says. You know what you're getting from him every week, and that's consistency. So he was uh, he was consistent for us, and uh, yeah, he was really he was he was good for us. If we'd have struggled without him, the kind of character he was, mm-hmm. you know, you'd rather have people who believe in you and believe in the in the in the in going up than a superstar that doesn't really care who cares about themselves really and how they look. And Mikel Antonio, he's a superstar, and you know, Gary Medina's a superstar. They all want the team to win, and we mm-hmm. we had that, and Gary makes them manage that as well. Uh, because you know we, we all like nights out, and Gary Dean like nights out. I like nights out, uh, but you're a target. You're always a target when you're when you're probably doing somebody else living somebody else's dream. You're a target, and that's what he was. He was living somebody else's that's dream. That's a wonderful way of putting it. I really, I really like that. Like when you're somebody else's dream, I, I really like that. That's a great way of putting it. Ben, have you got any more, pal? Um, re- so just sort of moving on as as Megson left, what what were the change, if any, when Dave Jones come in? Was it just keep doing what you're doing? Did he because people said you know he's got a relaxing nature about him, relaxing the players, but what what were the case like with that? He was very relaxed when he came in. He just he literally just ticked us over what we were doing and, and added his uh, his strategies and added his attitude. He he was very relaxed. He just said one thing you do though, lads, you can um everything needs to be clean and tidy. He said it costs nothing. Make sure you maintain these clean these being clean and tidy. He was he was he was instilling some discipline and respect for each other that was on another level. And I I like I like that. And uh yeah, sometimes you you forget about the little things in life. And uh he said if you don't want to come into football, you you won't get paid. If you want two days off, you won't get paid for two days. If you don't, if you want two weeks off, don't come in, and you won't get paid for two weeks. He was that kind of attitude. Is relaxed. He says basically, do what you want. If you don't want to come in, you won't be part of the club. So, 
And that just like, no, we all want to be there. It's like a double flip side, isn't it? Hang on a minute. He's just saying that if I don't want to come in, hang on a minute. I do want to come in and I want to play for the club. So he, he kind of like brought that do what you want attitude, but it kind of like makes you even more motivated to go in and show him that you want to be there. You want to play for the club and you want to get promotion. Wow. That's uh... Come back to your Sheffield Wednesday time before we move on too quickly. But obviously yeah. you mentioned about Cameron Dawson and Joe Wildsmith. Do yeah. you feel like a tinge of sort of pride now, like a proud uncle when you see that obviously they'll have learned from you. They'll have learned from Nicky Weaver. They still are learning from Nicky Weaver. Do you see that? I think both of them have got a long career ahead of them. Does that make you feel like this sort of pride in these two young lads that you saw growing up and now they're actually playing in the championship? I just feel pleased for them. You know what I mean? I just feel pleased for them because we're all trying to make our own way in what we're trying to do. And I saw them when they were coming in and they were, and they were young. And you know what? They they could deal with... Um, they can deal with it mentally because of the people they had around them to be able to show them, you know, you've got to be mentally strong. And if you make a mistake, it doesn't matter. Um, they had like myself, Andy Rhodes, um, Nicky Weaver, Richard O'Donnell as well. You know, they had like some strong characters who have all done well uh, in goalkeeping. And they've had them to then look to, to think, do you know what? If they can do it, I can do it easy. So that's what they, they've all, they're very, they're very good, nice characters, but they're all determined and they've all had their uh, the techniques and their... You know, I remember Cammy not being a, a super fit goalkeeper. Uh, mm. But, yeah, he's worked on his fitness and, and that's what he had to work on. I mean, he's, he's massive now. The guy is huge. I know, he's but he's built... Like you, Dan. He's built right, though. He's built right, though, isn't he? He mm. wasn't... Um, he wasn't... He had puppy fart and a bit of chubbiness. And, but, you know what? He's got his head down and he's done well. But he must have seen how the keepers like myself have operated, how how Weaves operated and, and the sessions we were doing. And you've got to be an athlete first. And he took on board as a, as a young man. And he's uh, he's developed his own skills into being a good goalkeeper, which I'm, I'm pleased for him. And I'm pleased for Joe. They're both really good goalkeepers and the competition's there to keep them both on the toes. And and if they go to other clubs, they will then take their experience and to do another club. And then the young goalkeepers there will all, will will learn from them. It's like a, it's an ongoing cycle. chain. But only if you're doing it right, though. There's people out there who think they can go to a club for a year, be lazy, still have success, but they don't. They drop the standards, and then that really affects what people are watching them and how they're operating. So, now, now Steve, there's just coming away for football, just for just for two minutes. There are, yeah. there are two things that are absolutely burgeoning inside me that I need to ask you about. Yeah. The first one is you're in Dream Team. For I think you had an appearance in Dream Team. Dream Team. Yeah, 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 the old Sky One program. I think you were on that for a bit. I, uh, I, I was doing some research today, and I thought I didn't even know that. I'll ask you about it. I wasn't, I wasn't on Dream Team. I wish I was on I Dream know, Team. He wasn't on Dream Team. It might, are you on IMDb on, on Dream Team? Yeah. <laughs> no, <laughs> I was on Green Street. Was there a film Green Street? I was on. Was it on that? I made that. Then after like two seconds, at West yeah, Ham. Yeah, yeah. There's half a second yeah. of you on there. Yeah. Uh, so yeah, there you are. You're on. You're on IMDb. And the other one, I've got to ask you about the art installation. Yeah, uh, with with the neighbours because this is truly one of my favourite stories. You know, <laughs> alongside the uh, the rice pudding one. I mean, can you tell us about that? I mean, what what went on? You know, what? I just I had, I was coming home from football. I had nothing to do. I thought, you know what? I'll start doing artwork. You know, Tracy Emin. I've started reading books and everything. I thought, what can I do? I'm not going to start there drawing. The thing is that everyone makes it out to do with the neighbours. The neighbours were never even in their house. 
they were always on holiday. So oh, so actually, it was an art installation. It wasn't you going here. Look at that because you the no, neighbors. No, were no, no, honestly, I if you write, if you see the detail, it was proper graffiti. And it yeah, was yeah, proper, yeah. It was, it was proper spray cans. I got a gas mask on. Everything, <laughs> everything. I pro I did it proper, but it was just me of expressing myself in my own way. But yeah, you sold it for charity, didn't you? For pride. Yeah, I gave it for charity to the local, um, the local hospice hospitals and stuff. So, but the thing is, I've, my inner artist is coming out now because I'm drawing all the time, like design and products. I just didn't have a, a focus to do to do the art. But That's now, absolutely, I, I yeah, love so that. You, I love it, that. Yeah, it's within me. So instead of picking up a spray can and drawing different colors and different patterns, I'm actually drawing products. So. I actually think it's inside me, like it's inside everyone to do something that they don't really know they want to do. And then later down the life, it just comes out. So literally I drew, um, I drew the logo and drew loads of designs after picking, I bought, when I finished playing, I was buying, a, I bought an iPad with a pen and I just started drawing and you don't know, it's brilliant. And it just brings me back to my art. My mum was really good at art though. So yeah, it was nothing to do with the neighbours. Everyone thought it was the neighbours because it was near, it's obviously I've got neighbours, but they were all there for six months of the year. So that's yeah. amazing. That's yeah. absolutely amazing. That, that's even better than the original story. I thought you, you know, the, the way that the uh, the local Derby press had and the had press it up. and all that lot. Yeah, yeah, no problems. Yeah, and the peak. Yeah, no. Oh wow, that's actually a better story than what I thought it was. Yeah. Um, Vic, have we uh, have we got anything else on Facebook? Uh, yes, we have. We've had a couple of people, uh, Graham and Anthony, asking if you'd ever consider management or coaching, and would you consider doing it at Sheffield Wednesday? Obviously, you'd have to boot Nicky Weaver out of the way. No, I, I'm not. I'm not interested in being a manager. There's too much politics. When I, actually Gary Megson pulled me in the office, he said, "Stephen, football's the closest thing to politics," and um, I don't have any interest in being a manager. I have an interest in coaching, but I don't want to be in a role as a coach. I want to be a volunteer as a coach, so that I have my own time and, my, and I'm, I'm on my own path because that's the only way I can give back. Because I know that time for everyone's precious, and I'm trying to build a second career uh, with my brand. So. I like to dedicate time once a week to giving back with the coaching, but as an official with tied to a club, I'd rather not do that because I'd rather give the opportunity for someone else who wants a career in, go in coaching. And if I'm taking up a slot as a career in coaching, when, my, when I'm trying to do other things, I think that's unfair. I think everyone should have their, uh, their dream really. And I, I don't want to take up someone's dream if, I, if I'm not really passionate about doing full time. I think, if you want to do it full time, then yeah. But I, I do a coach, uh, I coach uh, goalkeepers, and uh, yeah, I, I enjoy it. But I would never be a manager, and I'd never be a, a full time coach. There, there's no, there's no. For me, it's you're beholden to somebody else, and you're dancing to somebody else's tune. And I've danced to somebody else's tune for like the last twenty two years in football, and I, now I dance to my own tune, and I make my own, and I'm creative, and I'm free now. I feel free. Um, yeah, and I don't want to be in the in the politics of it, really, which is a shame. But I'm giving back in, on my own terms, which I like, and uh, and people will get the best out of me then. Wow, have we got any more, Vic? Uh, the mainly just comments. So we've got uh, da, 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 da. not a question, mate, but one of my friends still has and treasures your Harrogate Spring Water bottle from the promotion game versus Wickham. Do you know um, what? That Wickham game, was everyone there at the Wickham game? Yes. Yeah. It's one of my favourite games in my, in my whole career because that is so rare. How did you feel when, so when that whistle went and obviously us in the stands, we were watching the score 
at the other side of the city and we were trying to keep up with everything and we knew at that point that it was right. How did it feel when 20,000 people suddenly ran towards you? Did the did the oh, Stephen nice. Bywater caricature that we're led to believe exist? Did he just go, come on then? Or did you just- I was loving it. I was <laughs> loving it. I wanted them all to come on. I want them all to show. I want them all to come in the changing rooms. <laughs> I want Rita Johnson was the same, but yeah, I loved it. I, I want to be part of the, I want to be part of the 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 party really, because yeah, it's just one of them special occasions. The best thing for me was that Wickham gave them gave us their tickets back. Yeah, they did. Yeah, they took five hundred tickets for themselves and they gave the rest of the thousands back. And I thought fair play to them, and uh, I'll always have respect for that club for doing that because that meant a lot a lot to to myself as a player and to the supporters that you could fill a whole Sheffield Wednesday by five hundred people for a home game. It's unheard of. You don't do that. And that was special. I think the thing is as well that we often forget because like there's a lot of us on the podcast and a lot of us are over a certain age bracket, but Ben's still our baby. That, 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 that was, and that, that to him is his wedding was, league, like he's yeah. 93, you know. Yeah. Our, our, our 12 year old in a, our 12 year old in a blue and white wig with a Wednesday flag wrapped around me. And I was saying when we went down to Brentford, I went down to Brentford week before as well. Did you? Yeah. Um, it was it was good. I made a decent save against Brentford that week. <laughs> we, we, Honestly, we, first we half happened in that game. Did we, we drew that. didn't we? You what? Did we drew against Brentford? No, we beat beat them two one. Yeah, uh, yeah. Was it the last minute? They they, they scored a penalty and then the yeah. error scored. Yeah. After Do you know that. what? Yeah, I remember. The thing was right. I had my uncle. My uncle died that week. Yeah, and because we were travelling on the Friday to Brentford. I couldn't go to my uncle's wedding, uh, sorry, my uncle's funeral. I said, I'm not coming. My mum was gutted. She said, I can't believe you're not coming to your uncle's funeral. He was like, he lived next door. He looked after me like a dad with my dad. And I said, I can't go. I've got Sheffield Wednesday to get promotion. And my mum was gutted that I didn't go. So I'm glad well, I went. Tell you what, may, I, may I say on behalf of the, all of the Sheffield Wednesday fans, I appreciate your big sacrifice that day I, I i really do like like thank you so much for for doing that that's uh if you knew what what uproar that caused in my family <laughs> my mum wouldn't speak to me she said i can't believe you put in you put in your uncle because literally he looked after he, he would go to every game with my dad and he'd support me and i said you know what uncle jim would love me to just play the football mm. be part of something and i made a decent save against the uh, brentford in like the last 10 minutes or something I said you know what I'm glad I was there I know the other keepers would have made it but I was there to make it to help the team so yeah and I remember getting on the bus back and going on the so he's coming back to me now going on the bus back Sheffield United were exiting they were playing later yeah they were playing on the TV and they're getting beat weren't they got beat yeah hmm. yeah well, he's coming group, back to me now yeah. Oh wow! I, I I love that you've regressed all them years. Now uh, I, I I'm gonna move on to one because you're uh, you like me. I think there's only about three or four months uh, difference in our uh, in our birthdays. So uh, yeah. you're uh, you're gonna be turning you're gonna be entering the forty club very soon. Um, now you know I people talk about when when players get old about the legs going a little bit and uh, they lose that half a yard of pace and all the rest of it. And at Sunday league, I even felt it. You know what I mean? I didn't feel superhuman anymore, but did you, <laughs> did you, Sunday league when you Hey, listen, I'm a fucking Sunday league superstar. Mate. You. <laughs> you know, allergies or something. Confidence. I like it. it's confident. Yeah, you see, you see, I, um, I, I found that it's, it was more the, the rebuild 
you know what I mean? So you do, you, you, uh, well, you know, Sunday league, we, play, we train once and play on a Sunday. So I'd train on a Wednesday and I'd feel like shit up until about Saturday afternoon. But at, at your level, you know, with your, with your, did, did you get to a point towards, you know, the back end of, of your career where you were thinking, my fucking body can't keep up with this anymore? No, I was lucky because uh, there's a few factors there. When, when Billy Davis came into uh, Derby when I was 27, he instilled uh, the yoga coach into everyone, mm. and I got a private um, program. She was uh, she did Ryan Giggs's DVD. She's called Sarah, and she's worked with Formula One. She's worked with Chelsea Man City. So we caught her before she became massive. Mm-hmm. So she gave me that program, and I did it religiously every single day from 27 to 39 before I retired. So I never got the aches and the pains. So because I always manage myself. So and you know that's what it is. It's um, doesn't matter about how old you are. It's a matter how you how you're educated, and if you're educated and knew if you knew how to do the yoga and know how to have baths and stretches, even if you had the time to do it, you wouldn't feel that way. And if you start now, give it a few years, and you, you won't feel the aches and the pains. So you're telling me that yeah. smoking fags and sitting on my ass is is not the way forward to be an elite <laughs> sportsman. Do you know what? You can, <laughs> if you if you want to do what you want to do, but you won't get the best at it, it's a recovery. You can be able to yeah. perform. But it's the next day you won't be able to perform. Yeah, that's that, that that's what I found. It it was turning up for a game already yeah. already knackered. You know what I that's mean? It. Yeah. And the bruises wouldn't heal up for a couple of days and I'd still have concussion from Sunday or something. You know what I mean? Yeah. It was, it was but, all like that. Yeah, but no, it's uh yeah, I uh, no, I was lucky. I got I actually left the sport fit as a fiddle, which I'm very grateful for. So I've got a life after football that can do whatever I want to. Just just going on sort of the later years of your time in football, you went to, and there is a Wednesday link in this, Kerala Blasters were in India? Yeah. And and obviously that's who Gary Hooper is currently playing for. What what was that like? Um, It was, the the games were exciting. So you would literally get there and the games would be 80,000 or whatever the sellout, it'd be a sellout for the atmosphere would be like a disco. Um. You literally disco's going on while the game's going on and lights flashing everywhere. And if you kick the ball high, it's like, oh, you know, because <laughs> you can kick it, the ball right hard. Yeah, it's crazy. The atmosphere is crazy, but the standard wasn't that the standard wasn't that good, to be honest. Because you were mixing the Europeans with the Indians who were who were local. And uh, what would happen is these are tax inspectors or been released from farmers from normal day-to-day jobs uh, to go and play in the Super League. What would happen? These could run and cope with the weather conditions, the heat. The Europeans and the, the internationals, they had the talent, but they couldn't cope with the heat. So after five minutes, the standard just like leveled out. So it was kind of cool to watch how a standard would level out. And uh, But yeah, the conditions, living conditions wasn't for me. And yeah, I, was, I, wouldn't, I wouldn't do that again. Um, but I was, I, was, I was lucky that I met Sachin Tendulkar, the, goal, the, uh, the cricketer, and he was a really nice guy, and his and I and I saw the passion for 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 him to help his people. You know, is is the wow. Indian culture of the the cricket, the football sport in general. So he, he wanted to help where he come from, really. Amazing, amazing. And I, what a guy! But I would never go there again. I don't. Want to go, <laughs> I don't want to go on holiday there. My neighbour, when I was in um, in London, he said, "Oh, you've been to India." I said, "Yeah, yeah, it's great." You know, for the for the playing and stuff. He said, oh, I love travelling around India. I said, oh, would you live there? He went, no. So he's one of them, isn't it? Would you live there? I don't think so. The, the, just the, Do you know, it's a shame because um, there's no infrastructure there. So we would stay in five-star hotels that were 
skyscrapers and literally outside your door was the um was the slums yeah and what my dad what, said I, that he worked in india quite a lot and he said it, it's just you feel dreadful well you know, I, I just felt like they're not no not going to get the opportunities in life that they should they're all young it's not their fault they're they're born where they're born or whatever. They're not going to get the opportunity because I believe no matter who you are, if you want the if you get the opportunity because you you've got the desire and the passion, you will get the best out of yourself. So we were in these sky skyscrapers and outside was like kids like walking around with pigs. I'm not joking, and they're all having just walking around bins with pigs. So anyway, I was like, oh my gosh, I've got to see this for four days. So I went to the local uh, mall because they have malls everywhere, like shopping malls. I went and bought like hundred balls and uh 100 frisbees and i'd go i'd went into i went into the slum i did this once right because i'll never do it again i went into this slum yeah and uh with these balls and they just came from everywhere trying to grab all you trying to do this because he was so grateful for something i've got all my security guards that, that came with the team all going you can't do that you can't do that and I, and then but for the next four days i saw so many kids playing with frisbees and footballs it was brilliant so you can you can only do so much, but I just wouldn't I wouldn't live there because it's not to my standard of living, to be honest. And that's wow. it. the people are really nice. You know, the people were so nice; they would do anything for you. It's just that it's just so so populated that the that's incredible. There. That's incredible. But as as a footballer, as a professional footballer, you go there because you've got nowhere else to play, in my opinion. Go on, Vic. I think we'd have Gary Open back, but <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I think Steve's got a question from Facebook. Have you? I have. I'm just on mute. Don't ask me why. <laughs> Mate, we've spent, we've spent <laughs> an entire year of our lives now going. Sorry, I was on mute. We, yeah, we know how it works now. Question, question on Facebook from John. Obviously, you've experienced something that, like like we said with Ben, he's 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 only seen sort of the the League One promotion stuff. Um, who out of that promotion sort of year, that 2012 season, who are you still in touch with? Are you, are you still friends with people there? Uh, I speak to Gary Medine quite a bit. Uh, Mikel Antonio, he, he, I've seen him a few times. Um, Jonah, centre-half. Chris Kirtland, he wasn't there. He's a bit after that. But yeah, it's, um, I speak to quite a few, to be honest. Yeah, it's all right. We keep in touch. Do you know why you keep in touch? Because you've got that bond. You have that bond. I keep. I speak to the Derby County and the West Ham lads, Bobby Zamora, and you know all the, the Derby lads. It's just like yeah. you have a bond, and it's like that's it. You you can't escape that successful bond, that 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 uh, moment of your life where you've had a year of absolute brilliantness. We've we've actually found that, haven't we, Steve? You know where you've um you where the ch clubs achieve something. So that the, the the team from two thousand five that got our league one and and the team that that you were part of and and the lads from nineteen ninety one on the what we found is that those guys are still in touch because they they still have that what you referred to as that, that bond of success. Because, I mean, we had Matthew Hamshaw on here talking about 2005, and he, he was naming players as nicknames, and I didn't know who the fucking hell he was talking about. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm still in touch with Widger and Johnsy and Schnecko. <laughs> I'm like, who the fuck's he talking about? Yeah. <laughs> you know what, well, though, it's not, not even about the players. You know, my, da my dad used to speak to loads of people for, like, years after, and my mates used to speak to people years after. Mm -hmm. it's, it's like supporters as well. They have that journey as well. Every week, going to those games, the Brentford's away. The, do you know all them? The, the 
all these games that you go to throughout that successful season and you remember what pub you went to before the game you remember what breakfast you had in the holiday and before the game you know it's the simple things like that that my dad used to do that i know what it meant to him and all the supporters who were in the hotel so and he you know it's it's not about my journey as a player it's about the whole journey of everyone else as well that i find that it's it's your lifestyle it's your lifestyle for that period of time and everyone's you associate yourself with that person and where we were. And remember that time, my, my mate still bang on to me about Reading away when, when I played uh, Derby. He used to say, do you know what? We met so many people from Reading away, Steve. And me, me, your dad and your uncle were out there. We had a few drinks and we didn't stop drinking until we got up the next day. And like, but <laughs> I, completely, I completely agree with that. I mean, for me, it were more the 2015 season when we got to Wembley, the amount of, mates that I met just because all are a certain age that were sort of going mad on concourse at half time they might have just because of how well we were doing mm-hmm. yeah that without the team doing well you just you don't met you them still got that bond now do you still speak to them people yeah yeah you, you met friends that you you just know through following Wednesday yeah well, all yeah. of us here like that's the only reason that the five four of us actually know each other brilliant through the podcast yeah, like yeah. i've known dan for what's that six years now doing this and then steve came in and then ben knows my cousin but obviously also came in on this as well so if it wasn't for sheffield wednesday it's a life it's a it's a literally a lifestyle it's, it's, it's your life it's my life as well it's, it's everyone's life and uh if you're all pulling in the same direction you get like you get success and that's what makes everyone motivated to get more and to be more of a team you know your four or five will be 45 and then 50, you know, as it grows, it, it, it's, mm. it's mega. I, I love it. I love it. It's, it's life. It's living. All right. So Vic, do you want to do the last couple of questions for Facebook before we wrap this up? And, uh, cause I've taken enough, enough of your time, Steve. My apologies. Uh, I've got a couple of <laughs> from Facebook and one of my own. Um, but from Facebook, so we've been asked, uh, what was, this is from Jay. What was your standout memory of the 2012 season apart from the Wickham game? Oh, United. Well, the Sheffield United. No, I, I, I like the way Megson introduced me to the club. Mm. The way he did it. I love no. the fact that that's true. We hear that story so many times. Yeah. Never confirmed yeah, yeah. that is true. Yeah. Oh, right. So, no, that's a big moment to me. He brought me in because this is your first game here. This is what, as we were walking up the cop, he said, don't turn around. Don't look round yet. You go up and you turn around. It's like there and you go. Yeah, I'm playing here and I need to do this because he was a proper supporter. So, yeah, the games, but the biggest the, the biggest impact for me was turning up and going to the game. And because no manager's done that, taking me into the stand and going, look behind you. This is where this is what it means to me. This is what it means to the club. You're going to play in front of these supporters and you're going to get 30,000. We're only in League One and you're going to get the big crowds and they're going to want you to win. So just go out there and just know where you're playing. And that's it. Because the club is bigger than your individual. That's what he was basically saying. This wow. is a club. You're playing for the club. And that's it. You're not playing for yourself or, or you're playing for the club. And that's the that's what I that's why I loved. So yeah, that's the probably the biggest thing. The Wickham game was a was a freak of a game because you're never gonna get that atmosphere again. But the biggest impact was uh, being shown that you're playing for the club and the club is bigger than anyone. Amazing. Sorry, Steve. I, I, you had a question and I bypassed it about Burton Albion. No, that was me. 
Oh, was that you? Sorry, Al. Yeah, will you just shut up a minute? Carry right. on. Do what you want. I've got another one from Facebook, Stephen, uh, from John. And you might not want to answer this, but hopefully you can give us a roundabout answer. Uh, he just says, did they pay well in India compared to the English lower leagues at the time? No. I literally went there because Peter Taylor was going there. Uh, I can't. Wow. I can't say what you got paid in US dollars, and then you had to, you know, it's, uh, and then you had tax to pay. The, you had, no, you had to pay the tax on it. Yeah, rubbish. What's the point in being paid in dollars <laughs> if you're going to pay the bloody tax? Rubbish. Oh yeah, but uh, yeah, I paid all the tax and I did it all legitimate. And that's what you're supposed to do. But uh, the, the, for me, I was going because of Peter Taylor, and I wanted to back him because he. he I was at Gillingham on loan with him, and he was a great guy. And if he's going somewhere halfway around the world, and he wants a trooper with him, I'm there. Mm-hmm. Fair enough. But the money, it's not about the money, it's about playing. And that's what I'm saying. People are going there are desperate to play. It's not about the money. Like Hooper will be going there because he's desperate to play some football. Wow. Yeah. Right. That's that's an hour, Stephen. Oh. And oh. Will you just give me a minute. You said I, I said I was wrapping it up and you don't asked worry the about question. you can carry on, you can carry on. I, I'm I'm easy. I'm easy. I've got a gym session later to do. It's all right. You pull it, you, you <laughs> do it. It's fine. My only other question as well, Stephen, was um, is it true that when you were at Burton, obviously, I think they got relegated and then you were kind of, you dropped down a little bit. Is it true that you stayed on a use me whenever deal? You don't even need to pay me a salary. Uh, correct. Yeah, because I was uh, going to, uh, to do a new business. So I thought it was only fair that I was honest to the manager and say, listen, I've got a future a career. And um, I said, don't pay me. I said, I'll come, I'll turn up, whatever. I don't think it's fair which is right. If I want to do something, then I, I shouldn't be asked. I shouldn't be asking for a wage off someone. So, um, yeah, that's true. Yeah. I told the manager and he said, fair enough, but I, I kept myself fit. I was always on call. Um, yeah. I actually flew back from, from, uh, being away on business to actually play games. The manager said, we've got injuries. We need you to play. And uh, I got on the plane and came back and played and then went back out again. So yeah, is that part of it, a bit of like giving back from you as well. Obviously, you've had this good career. You know, you don't necessarily need a salary from Burton Albion. Is that something that you feel that you've done for them? No, because you know what, they looked after me. I wasn't doing anything for anyone. I was just doing the right thing. At the that's what I, th- I think you should do the right thing at the right time. Um, and that that doing the right thing always helps people out, and it always you always get it back. And they looked after me, and I looked after them. And throughout my career, I've always done the right thing, and that's being fair. And if you're fair to people, then you get respect. And uh, I think uh, there are there are a lot of people who who take and uh, and give little. But if you can balance it out and give as much as you take, then you'll you'll stand yourself in good stead. But I wouldn't take anything from anyone for doing nothing. I think you have to earn it in life. And yeah. Listen, before we uh, before we go, Stephen, I, I really need to say that yeah. before we did this interview this evening, I I had completely bought into the entire narrative of how you've been perceived in the media in certain things, and the and the person we spoke to tonight has been thoughtful, creative, uh, you know, measured, uh, and I must admit, like this is not the interview I thought I was going to have tonight. I, I genuinely have I've been blown away by some of the answers you've given this evening. Oh, um, I'm passionate about what I do. Very much so, and and it, and it really comes across now. So, oh, I want you, you know, what 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 brand is it? What 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 is it you're selling? What's the, uh, yeah. you know, tell us what you're doing now. Let, we're going to give you this platform now because oh, you, I'm just you've making, earned it. No, I'm not. I'm, do you know what? I'm just transferring my football. It's, it's called Hanbury Tennyson, and mm-hmm. uh, it's a family name. And uh, me and my business partner drew the logo that's protected worldwide, that's transferable on anything, and I'm making luxury products, mm-hmm. uh, but I'm not. 
I want them to be able to be uh, to be out there. Like I'm, I'm, I'm making sure that the detail is done, and um, so I'm making caps, belts, wash bags, towels, scarves, boxer shorts, bracelets. But I won't ever um, put my name to anything that's substandard, and that's it. And I'm just doing my best and having, I'm, I'm having a go. Like at football, I'm having a go, and I did well. Uh, I'm lucky that my business partner was very, very, very successful. So she knows what she was doing. She was worldwide mm-hmm. um, and she's helping me and advising me and I'm taking it all in and I'm, and I'm, and I'm just enjoying my life. And that's, that's what you got to do. So no matter what I'm doing, building a brand, um, I'm enjoying doing it and, and I'm in the real world. It's good. I love it. It's exciting. I think life's exciting. So thank you very much for letting me tell you what I'm doing now. No problem at all. And if you uh, if you release any uh, Hambry Tension branded spoons Listen, and or toothbrushes, <laughs> toothbrushes. I, might, I might do the toothbrush. <laughs> I, yeah, put me down for it. Well, the thing is, I've got to draw one, then I've got to design it, and then I've got to correct it and make sure it's absolutely spot on for people's teeth to be clean. What about what? a toothbrush with a spoon on the back? Yeah, like a like a sport. Well, what, what, like, like That's called an army knife. <laughs> oh, we'll to army knife. We need one of them. <laughs> Because I had one of them in my car for the tin opener, you know, to get the right pudding. (laughs) (laughs) Ladies and gentlemen, (laughs) thank you so much for joining us, Stephen. Vic, take us off Facebook. Thank you so much, folks. See you later. Join us. The Wednesday Week is sponsored by Michael Constantine Wealth Management. We bet you can't find a financial advisor closer to Hillsborough Stadium.
The Wednesday Week is sponsored by Michael Constantine Wealth Management. We bet you can't find a financial advisor closer to Hillsborough Stadium. It's the 90th minute. You've got all your mates round. You've got your McNugget chair boxes coming down the left wing ready to go. Your mate's already been booked for double dipping and you steal the last nugget. Snatching all three points. Back of the net. Lubosh. Automate delivery now on the McDonald's app. You in? At participating restaurants, 18 plus, serving times, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com for more information. See you later. And there it is. That's as good as it gets on this stage. Nissan Townstar EV strikes again. It's an unstoppable van. Unstoppable. Look, just fantastic. You can actually see the ProPilot technology in action. Effortless parallel parking. It moves with all the confidence that comes with a five-year warranty. And with a bench full of all-star van experts, there's real strength in depth here. That's all-star quality. Search Nissan Townstar EV and visit your local all-star van centre to see for yourself. Terms and conditions apply. Five years or 100,000 miles, whichever comes first. ProPilot is an advanced driver-assist technology. Driver's responsibility to stay alert, drive safely, and control vehicle at all times. This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans.